Hello and welcome to The Outsiders, an expressive and freestyle insight into life direction and the impact of those choices on our health, relationships and place in society. We look at film, music and other creative forms as a foundation for our discussions. And we are now on to episode number 11. And as ever, I am with my friend, sidekick and partner in crime, Zach. Hello, Zach. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm all right. So, Zach, today we're going to take another slight change or slight change of direction to our usual format. We're going to have a look at you, an introspective zoom into you and your story a little bit um, in order for the our listeners to get an idea of who you really are. And I thought we would start this by introducing the idea of outsiders and throw it at you because what I found very interesting over these last few months is that we actually come at this topic from completely different perspectives, different angles, almost 360 degrees. And yet we find ourselves in the very same space. And this was reinforced actually um, when I had a phone call from another outsider who recently joined our ranks. And again, somebody I've known for many, many years, but has been listening to the podcast and he wants to share his views with me. And again, from another, well, from between you, me and him, another sphere. And yet we're all in the same space, which I find absolutely fascinating and gives us room for for discussion. Anyway, let's move on to you, Zach. So let me ask you, let me start off with uh, the first question. What is an outsider to you? And following up with that, when did you realise being an outsider was affecting your life? An outsider to me is, is, always feels like somebody somebody uh, who questions the, the the world that they're around. And I think I think um, I've been an out. I think my inside has been outside, if that's a, a thing. For uh, since I was a child, really, I remember I was disconnected in a way and almost alien. It was like I'd been beamed down into this sort of this construct. And I would find a lot of things upsetting. There was a lots of times I'd come home from school, even uh, into, as a teenager, and I would be teary um i'd be upset about something that's happened in the day or or just upset in general about the world and and that's carried on throughout my whole life to the point now i, I i'm living with it now in the, with the but i still see if i see people i see i see sadness i see upset or i or i feel the tension or the the low energy or something i don't know what it is trying to explain it so you're more like a kind of empath almost i think so i think that's probably what it is i did do a test recently for uh i can't remember the name of the author but there's a test to be see if you're a highly sensitive person and i scored quite highly on that i don't think it's it's not a sort of medically recognized test but it sort of explains some sort of behaviors so let me just jump in here because I'm just curious, you see, I've explained my triggers and my rationale for, for the way I see, anyway, my perspective of growing up. 
the cause and effect of that was quite damaging. But I'm just curious to know yeah. what it was that triggered this over-empathetic or sensitive, overly sensitive view on things um, when you were young. It must be something. It doesn't just come from nowhere. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I can't pinpoint it to anything uh-huh. apart from, I mean, there were a series of things that happened when I was younger. Um, I I was, I, I fell out of a tree, for instance, and I had severe facial uh, injuries, which I, I still remember seeing everybody's faces looking at me like I was some sort of freak, you know, like the elephant man in um, David Lynch's film. It was felt a bit like that, a great big swollen lip hanging down. And people, mm. I noticed people were, were separating themselves from me because of that. And I couldn't communicate because I couldn't talk. I've got uh, sort of, it, it, it's on, it, crikey, it's like injuries. I, I remember smashing my head on a pot. But these affected your confidence then in yeah, yourself? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, and I sort of went inwards. Yeah. There you go. So that's already a reason when you yeah. injure yourself or something physical happens to you, um, that can obviously impact or give you some kind of trauma, sure. So Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is a trauma. Um, I, I've got a, I, I remember going to school, and this is probably the same as everybody or most people. I, the first day I went to school, I was absolutely, I found it such a traumatic experience. Yes. There's mm-hmm. no way I wanted to go back. Uh, and you sort of, you have to get through it grudgingly, really. Uh, I, I remember coming home from school once and uh, my mum was at home and there was a film on, an old black and white film. And it, I don't know what it was. I, can, I can't remember the title. I can't remember uh, who was in it. But it was a love story and one of them was a ghost. And I just found it so emotional. And I was just sitting in the, I remember sitting in the living room, bursting out in, in tears and my mum coming in, what what the hell's going on? What's happened kind of thing. And I, I just couldn't, couldn't communicate how I was feeling about this film because then I found it silly. So do you, did you think you felt invisible? Is there some kind of connection with the fact that you've had to almost disappear because you felt uh, sensitive to people's, response to you or something like that yeah i i and i think that's car- that's happened uh for a long time let me move on a little bit from that point so how in, in your life this is the, the the real the second part of the question how has your life been affected through this realization well i i went through a very very long period of my life not accepting who i was not liking who i was putting up a false um, impression of the person that I am and more or less pretending to be somebody that I knew that I wasn't so that I could fit in to this world or or it's interesting with out when it's for a lot of outsiders and I'm speaking generally but we're trying to fit into something but I've always asked well what is what I don't really know what it is I'm trying to fit into and actually now we're sort of we're discussing this in the place where we are now it, being outside isn't it doesn't feel like such a bad thing um from a, this sort of viewpoint but i really struggle to fit in i struggled uh, i've always struggled to communicate properly with 
friends and colleagues. I've always felt a little bit per- on the periphery if I've been at work and um, I would put up the facade of being the sort of jokey, laughy person, have a bit of laugh, do something a bit weird, do something a bit crazy. But then I'd go home and I'd be exhausted and I'd just want to shut the world away from doing that. And uh, I was pretending to be all these different people mm-hmm. and I forgot actually who is Zach. I don't know who he is anymore. He's not, he's gone. And this led to uh, a diagnosis of um, bipolar, which then led to, you know, the uh-huh. medical treatment that I uh, that I had. But I went through a series of a whole phase of different things in order to get to that uh, diagnosis. I mean, that took years just for, for it to be recognized as something. So before we, we look at that, what what... Before that was uh, diagnosed, as it were, what did you organically, so before you took the treatment or whatever you took, which you'll tell us in a minute, what organically did you push yourself away from before all this kicked in? So in life, what kind of things So uh, did you miss out on or did you, you know, um, deny yourself? Did you have any of those issues yeah i uh i denied there's a lot of denial going on but my mum was diagnosed with cancer for Mm. and she she fought that for a few years um at the time i was uh with my fiance at the time and then we were planning on getting married and the uh and then my mother died before i got married um and that i felt like I was in a bubble of grief, I suppose it was. I didn't know how to deal with it. I I can still remember my mum coming to work. I used to work at the theatre and we were all sitting downstairs and she took me aside and she explained that she's been diagnosed and I didn't know what to say. I I thought it was, and I was like, well, you'll be all right, won't you? And and that was sort of that was it was it. I didn't really know how to take it and how to accept it. Mm-hmm. And that ca- carried on. I just assumed she was going to be okay. And I think that sort of then I got married. I got married in a sort of fog of a bubble of my own doing. It was I'm not not blaming anybody for anything. And it it all felt like a bit of a fog for years, for ten years or so. Everything felt numb. I, I felt completely numb from uh, any emotion. And I couldn't... For somebody who would cry as a child at a film on the television, I couldn't cry when my mum died, which I found bizarre. It was just like the gates had closed. And, uh, and then the problem is, and I recognise it now, that I didn't deal with any of this at the time. I just carried on going and I got a job. I worked at the BBC on television back, back and behind the scenes and a dream job for me. I would, I, you know, I, that was, that was amazing for me, but I was in such a fog that I just, I couldn't accept it. I couldn't, I couldn't engage with the people. I couldn't enjoy it. I, I would stand there watching. Um, I remember standing there. I was about to queue on the two presenters for the Saturday morning 
television show as that we used to remember when it used to be a kids tv show and i was instantly transported back to me watching the multicolored swap shop with my parents <laughs> and i started crying standing there and and i had to check myself because i'm about you know i'm getting in my ear the floor manager going right three ten we're going live in 10 seconds and i had to check myself and then say right there's your cue and then it was it was a bizarre disconnection from a job that I would have really have loved to do. So you've finished this, I guess, this job yeah. because of your your situation. So what I'm trying to get to from the story you, you're telling is what did you <clears throat> when you realised this? Just there was going this was going on. What did you do, and what did you? So what did you miss out on? So you were saying you missed out on normal living, working life. But is there anything else, would you say, relationships mm. or... Yeah, I missed out on... I guess I sort of missed out on enjoying life. Uh, I mean, I had I got married. I had two brilliant children. I don't, I don't regret any of that at all. I just uh, wish I had enjoyed it more and embraced it more. Um, when uh, my daughter was born... I went I went part time and looked after her as a as a baby and my wife would go to work and those were moments where I felt the barriers coming down and I I enjoyed that time because I had this this little package of unconditional mm-hmm. love that was there I was learning again to express myself a bit better and to and to uh to start to be myself more and, but I was still going through a phase where I didn't didn't like the person I saw in the mirror and this pressure that was building up inside of me kind of culminated in me. I started to harm myself. I started to take oh. knives and um, uh, cut my arm. And I've still got the scars on my arm from doing it. But it it felt, it was a pressure release. It was like um, lifting the lid off a kettle. It was bringing you back into the actual now, right? From yeah. in your head. Yes, it was. It was. It, it was exactly that. It was. It was trying to. It was almost like trying to wake myself up, trying to uh, kick myself into action, and it felt like a release every time I did it. And my wife at the time, she only noticed that I was doing it because I used to hide away in the bathroom and stuff. It was a boiling hot day, thirty degrees outside or whatever it would have been, and I was wearing a long sleeve jumper. And she said, I must be boiling hot. Why don't you roll your sleeves up? I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm fine. And then she obviously uh-huh. saw, she she did it and saw, and then that's when everything started collapsing around us like a house of cards. Wow. So, okay. So let's move on then a little bit further forward. So there, obviously there's lots of things you started to discover about yourself um, and ways that you were responding to your feeling of almost being helpless and sort of not really connected this sort of started with you you said this led to self-harming and then at what point later did you have this breakdown that you mentioned to me yeah well I um I once after self-harming I went to the doctor and it was no good I was told to go for a run it was only years later 
a few, quite a few years later with uh, when I'm, I was with the partner that I'm with now, it got to a stage where she had to go to the doctor with me because I was so used to putting up this facade and I thought, well, the doctors didn't care because my initial experience was, we'll just go for a run or take up a hobby. I would go to the doctor and uh, by instruction and just sit down and go, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Everything's well. Yeah. Oh, you know, this is nothing. That's nothing. So she actually took me and she explained how I'm behaving at home and immediately he diagnosed me as bipolar immediately put me on tablets which I'm not a great fan of but they help for certain things and I was immediately signed off work and I ended up being off of work for six months because he opened the door suddenly I sort of it's like I fell in and it's like okay I need to now rebuild right at this point, I can. I was just going to say. So you've kind of hit rock bottom with all of this emotionally. Yeah. How did you start to climb back up again? What was it that motivated you? <clears throat> what was it that drew you? Uh, the the if you like the pathway ahead that you knew what you wanted to do yeah. and how to do it. I um I reached a stage where I didn't like being on medication. And it was it was useful for a break for for her as much as me to have a break from the wild emotions, the extreme highs and lows, which can be quite um, they can be uh, exhausting for for the person who's witnessing it, let alone the person who's doing who's experiencing it. So I decided to try and figure this out myself and I went to we went to some uh, thing in London um it's like a talk my partner's very much into uh sort of meditations and the the universe the power energy of the universe and healing and that sort of thing and I went and saw this guy talking and it was like speaking in my own language and I suddenly felt that all the emotions that I'm feeling they're not wrong they're actually they're emotions and that I have ownership of them. It's not the fault of this, that or the other, the way that I'm feeling. It's it's me that's feeling it and my thoughts are my thoughts. So I started on a path from there of studying mindfulness and studying meditations and studying other philosophies as well. Um, and I've learned that it's a continuing growth of, or learning about yourself and how yes there may be and cbt i think because a lot of cbt is cognitive behavioral therapy a lot of that is taken from the ancient philosophy of stoicism which mm-hmm. is why it sort of connects to us and i've been learning all of that and i found that meditation was the thing that really worked for me and when i was feeling a bit rubbish or I could feel, I, I can sense it. I sense the waves of going up and down. But now I don't feel guilty about it. If I'm feeling I'm heading downwards, it's almost like I talk to this monster in my head and say, okay, you've got you've got a day, you've got two days to to be in charge, but then I'm back in charge again now and we're going to crack on with our lives. And it seems to work. How does it affect your relationships, though, uh, your relationship with your partner? 
she's very good. She's a she's a coach and she does the healing, as I've said. She's very good at recognizing when I'm hit going downwards. I mean, I I sort of I do realize when I get to high. I think okay, there's only there's only another way I'm going to go from now on. I've reached the peak, and I think this is the same with most um, people that have bipolar. That it you it is the extreme levels either way. She can recognize it. I've learnt, and through her, I've learnt to recognize my signals. One of them is a dry cough, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm heading into a a thing. She sees it in my face when I start. I can't make decisions or I don't care what we're having for dinner anymore. Right. So this is where we're leading to now, basically, uh, which is how we met in the sense that you yeah. started to use creativity and expression, which is our, this is our common value. That both of us have yeah. you found this and tell me a little bit about how you developed your ideas made created programs and and where we are today if you like if you can yeah so i wrote i wrote a book called the self-harming pacifist and then i studied mindfulness i took a course in mindfulness after doing that and uh, got myself a certificate and i decided to start to create workshops I, i i noticed when i was feeling low the the importance of arts to me and how it makes me feel good and how I was recognizing emotions in characters from films or you know lyrics from music. How many times do you? It mm-hmm. happens to us all. We we feel heartbroken, so we listen to records that um, make us feel even more heartbroken. But I guess it's sort of it, it's sort of um, giving us uh, connecting with our emotion, aren't we? And so I developed some workshops using films as a as a source to open up a conversation about emotions and to try and just sort of start to put a message out there that we do we are capable of um, controlling our reactions to our emotions we might not be able to control our thoughts and we might find that we become over emotional at times but we are still in charge of our actions and our reactions and they are just thoughts and meditation has taught me that a thought is just a thought. It's a cloud that can disappear. If you keep focusing on it, then it will remain there. But if you, you can, you have the, all of us have the ability to let it go. And also by using films to connect to heroes in their story, you're recognising that you're not alone in all these emotions that you're feeling, that these people do it. These, these people go through it. It's a journey. Our, our life is a journey. Our life is a story. And we are the hero of our story. Yeah, very much. Yeah, that's where you see, that's where you and I connect because we both realise that creativity expression is a therapeutic way of, you know, dealing with yeah. these things and helping others. I think that's where we suddenly come and find ourselves in this in this place right now. So, Zach, kind of shared your views on what your programmes do. Are there any... Is there any kind of learning you'd like to leave us with? And are there, and secondly, are there any places where people can find what it is you do? Yeah, yeah. I think a very big learning, one that I use for, uh, uh, I've got a, a online program. It's about finding yourself. It's about freeing yourself up, realizing that you have choices and finding yourself. And once you find yourself within, 
which is similar to uh, your course as well in the in the respect of finding your inner hero you can then take you you've got you've got uh, you you find a purpose i suppose don't you? you find a purpose in your life and a lot of ancient philosophy that i'm reading about at the moment and even the uh, later ones like existentialism it sort of backs that up it's about finding a purpose in your life and that will give you the positivity and the focus to move forwards in whatever you want to do. We can be whoever we want to be and we can create that story. And uh, if anyone wants to find me, then I'm plastered all over social media. <laughs> Most people are. <laughs> well, you can put your, we'll put your links for your book and your course. Um, yeah, the book is on Amazon. Yeah, you, we can put the links on the uh, on the podcast so you can on the jacket of the podcast so that people can find out more about you and what you do. Yeah. Um, but I think it's beautiful. As I said, we started this podcast um, with me saying how removed our story is. And yet as we've moved on and evolved, we found more and more commonality until the end yeah. part of this sort of realization and your therapy, your tr- treatment, your own uh, expression and creativity have been the, the the platform for you to to find your your own purpose and uh, direction which is which is wonderful and that's why we're doing what we're doing together and um you know it's 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 a it's a great thing so being an outsider is as we said it's a it's a challenge it's um a commitment it involves it takes up a lot of energy um we have to be aware of who we are we have to realize what it's cost us but we have to have some kind of game plan and and you know you've shown the way with with what you're doing at the moment so uh zach it's been as always a joy to to spend time with you and i hope to the people listening you found it interesting uh valuable maybe uh helpful and uh, we will be back again next week with another episode of the outsiders please feel free to uh join us on our facebook group which is mark and zach the outsiders you can find us on facebook we'll put the link on the jacket as well and do feel free to share your own feelings suggestions outlooks we will be delighted to uh, to respond to them and we will very shortly be having zach our first guest it's just one thing after the other hold on to your hats we've got a guest coming we've got an event coming it just doesn't stop anyway from zach and me it's goodbye and we will see you next thank week. you goodbye take care